0: So Congress, last night, decided to save America, or something like it, passing a $2.3 trillion, not only uh, an omnibus spending bill to keep the government open, but $900 billion towards coronavirus relief. The problem is this bill was over 5,000 pages, and basically they told members of Congress, you've got less than a day to read it. That's what it seemed like to me. And then... you take a look at what's in it and you realize the American people are only getting $600 when places like Pakistan get $10 million for conversations about gender, what are we looking at here? six senators voted against the entirety of the package and in the house they bifurcated it they split it up and one of the people who voted no was congressman jim banks me i'm tony katz this is tony katz today 833 got tony 833 468 8669 congressman jim banks joins us right now he is from the indiana third so we're talking about fort wayne and in northeastern uh, indiana before we get into the purpose of the no vote that you gave i believe on both sides of this thing the bifurcation the splitting this up that was done i take that to mean that there were actually two spending bills that were put forth in the house is that the case and why did nancy pelosi do it
1: yeah tony that's exactly the case i mean it's sort of a gimmick or a trick on pelosi's part let's let's split it in two and make Members vote uh, for or against uh, spending on you know, issues related to defense, which, by the way, that's really important to me, or funding uh, homeland security, or funding other programs. Let's put that in one bucket, and then let's put the um, let's put the COVID relief package in another bucket that funds the Paycheck Protection Program and these other programs that uh, all Republicans are defending and have supported in the past so it's sort of a gimmick and then on top of that we're going to pour all of the sauce all the all the all the uh all the pork on top of uh on top of both of those good uh areas so so that that's what makes this a tough vote for a lot of members at the end of the day we didn't have a day uh just a day to read the the five over five thousand pages we had about three hours uh, to read uh, over 5,000 pages. I guarantee you not a, not a single member of Congress had time it was, uh, to go through. It was about 1,000 pages an hour, over 1,000 pages an hour. There's no way any of my colleagues were able to read it, and they're probably going to find out in the days to come. There were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of poison pills that were sprinkled into, into both of these uh, spending packages, too
0: you know we the people have now seen enough of this we've had so much access to this that we know when something is being rammed down our throats Allah, Nancy Pelosi saying you have to pass the bill to find out what is is in it we know when these things come up when you've got 5,593 pages to read as you're saying in three hours that it's an impossibility nobody crams for a test like that but yet these things continue to happen and members of Congress continue to vote for these things you you voted no in both places the 1.4 trillion, the 900 billion. Let's start with COVID because that has to deal with your constituents and those restaurants, those bars, those businesses uh, outside of that realm that have been affected, that have been forced into levels of shutdown or levels of, of, of half service. Why was your vote a no vote and how do you explain it to your constituents?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I campaign uh, for Congress. Four years ago, Tony, to go to go to Washington and fight against this, to fight against reckless, runaway government spending. At when I got to Congress, the national debt was less than twenty trillion dollars. We're going to end. We're going to end 2020. We're going to be close to thirty trillion dollars in national debt. I couldn't hold my nose and vote for for this bill. By the way, I did. I did cram for tests in colleges. Uh, where I where I needed to read a thousand pages in a few few hours, and uh, let me tell you, it didn't work very well. I didn't I didn't get good grades in colleges, and it doesn't work very well when members of Congress are expected to take it or leave it. I mean, they, yesterday they said they couldn't post the five thousand pages. We were supposed to get access to this uh, to the text of this bill uh, twenty four hours before uh, we were we were going to vote on it, and they said due to a uh, 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 an error uh, uh, messages that they were getting when they were trying to upload it digitally. Um, and and uh, that there were there were these computer issues and glitches they were having and they were unable to to, to post it. I, I, I in my mind I don't, I don't trust Nancy Pelosi enough to believe that that's the case, right? I mean she they didn't want to post this and give members of Congress enough time to read it because they knew that it was filled with bailouts to the Kennedy Center, which which by the way you know, that that we we were faced with that a year ago now we're faced with that again tens of millions of dollars to the Kennedy Center programs for. For, uh, to study gender issues in Pakistan, uh, bailouts to the, to the Postal Service without reforms uh, that put taxpayers first when it comes to programs like this. We could go through a laundry list of reasons to vote against it, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, a several-trillion-dollar spending deal, the biggest spending deal in American history, not enough time to read it, and not, not any, and not any uh, way to fund it or pay for it, doesn't put taxpayers first, doesn't put America first. It doesn't put my three daughters and their generation first that we're going to straddle with over $30 trillion in national debt without a way to take care of it. It's just something that at the end of the day, I couldn't vote for it.
0: We're going to be saddling everybody with a tremendous amount of debt, talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. Uh, now let's get into this $1.4 trillion. So this is the omnibus spending bill. And it seems to me that when they put these things together, that's when people saw all the levels of, we have weird priorities in the United States. Like, for example, the seven. I think it's $700 million over the course of years uh, to Sudan uh, being amongst many of the things that are being... Uh, Called out conversations about water resources on the Tibetan plateau. Um, Then there's uh, what is it? A million dollars? That's it for for Tibet uh, issues. A U.S. India Gandhi King Development Foundation with an annual budget of thirty million dollars. These things come out and we lose our heads on these subjects. Talk to me about this omnibus spending bill because there are members of your delegation. Good people who voted for it. Both U.S. senators of Indiana, Todd Young and Mike Braun, voted for it. Uh, The senators of Nebraska, uh, Fisher and uh, uh, Sass, voted for it. Only six senators didn't. What was wrong? I just laid out for you some of the insanity, but what was the fundamental of what was really wrong with a bill that would have paid uh, the military more, and that's something that you focus on often?
1: Yeah, it is, and we've we've fought for four years to rebuild the military. We fought for four years to fund priorities that help us compete in great power competition against China and Russia, and and transform our military in a way that uh, it wasn't equipped to under Obama and Biden uh, four years ago, and when, when Donald Trump took office. But this is the this is the definition of insanity, Tony. It's doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, you know, we got we, we got to this point because. We couldn't pass a full fiscal year spending measure uh, the right way, the responsible way at the beginning of the fiscal year on October 1st. We passed these continuing resolutions that last for three weeks or a week, or in this case, lately, we've been passing CRs for just a couple of days. Keep kicking the can down the road with with, uh, a bunch of members of Congress that want to get out of Washington and go home and see their families uh, before Christmas. And that's what it got down to. It got down to the wire here where everyone was sick of it. Uh, we'll you know we'll hold our nose and vote for it and and hopefully uh, next time around it'll get better but it never gets better I mean that that's the problem I again we started 2020 out with a 20, 20, 22 trillion dollar national debt at the beginning of of 2020 we're going to be closer to 30 trillion dollars in national debt because nothing changed because we allow Nancy Pelosi to run this this uh, process and negotiate massive spending deals this this one in this case the largest spending measure in American history. As I travel Northeast Indiana, and re- really the entire state of Indiana, when, when I talk to small businesses and people who have been drastically affected by coronavirus, Tony, they're not begging me for, for more more handouts and, and bailouts. They just want their freedom back. They, they want their governor to reopen the economy. They, they want local governments to quit um, uh, cramping uh, their ability uh, to open their businesses and employ their employees and and uh, and make a living—that that's what they want. They don't want—I uh, I, haven't—I have heard people knocking on my door demanding um, $600 uh, stimulus checks. They're they're demanding their freedoms back. That that's what they want more than anything at all, and they don't want us to straddle their kids and grandkids with more national debt to do it. And th- that's what makes me the most angry about this this. Uh, this uh, spending deal last night and uh, why I can't, I can't just go along with it anymore.
0: Now, by the way, I was sharing some of the uh, projects in there. I want to make sure people know I was reading the ones, I, I believe I was reading the ones from the COVID relief bill. The COVID relief bill has the groundwork for a climate security advisory council that doesn't help a small business anywhere in Indiana, Nebraska or anywhere else. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, there is some talk that the reason this was uh, bifurcated is that it really does, uh, or that the fact that it was bifurcated, put into two bills, exposes the very slim majority that Democrats have. And what I want to know is, does that mean there's an opportunity to pull some people over to maybe not move forward every far progressive thought. You take a look at people like Tulsi Gabbard, who decided not to run uh, for for re-election, and she's going out throwing haymakers and bombs. Is Representative Gabbard, uh, who drives me crazy because I can't believe she believes what she believes. Uh, are there is there a thought amongst the leadership set, amongst Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, and others, that there are opportunities because of this slim margin the Democrats have, because they did so poorly in the election? Election, that there's a chance to grab some people and maybe move some legislation that isn't downright evil
1: yeah I, absolutely and and one of the reasons that Pelosi needed to get this deal done uh this week is because uh everything changes with the new Congress in January so we're in the lame duck session right now with the with the uh the the current Congress but come January third when we swear in the new Congress where Democrats are going to have a slim single-digit majority, which by the way, uh, not getting a lot of attention, but with with, uh, with Biden picking a few Democrat members of Congress to fill his cabinet, there, there are going to be some open Democrat seats. I even, I even read one report, Tony, where uh, for a while until they fill a couple of those open seats, the Democrats are going to have a razor, th- razor thin one or two seat majority. And if, if you saw the rule vote yesterday, You saw the squad vote against the rules. So if that happens come January, Democrats are not going to be able to pass anything at all because they're going to have the squad fighting with Pelosi and the older, uh, uh, more mainstream Democrats. They're not going to be able to get anything done, which is which is why when Pelosi when Pelosi released her schedule for 2021 for Congress, we're only going to be in session 100 days in 2021, that's that's half the number of days that we were in session the year that Donald Trump started uh, his his uh, his term back in 2017, when when uh, when Speaker Paul Ryan and Republicans when were in charge. We were in session 200 days to put that into perspective. Why is Nancy Pelosi only bringing us to Washington to work for 100 days in 2021? It's because she knows that we're better off. She's better off if the squad and all members of Congress are back in their district, she's not concerned about getting anything done because she knows she won't be able to get anything done and she doesn't want to bring us to Washington any more days than we have to because it'll put the the circus on full display.
0: Before I let you go, Congressman Jim Banks, um, there's a lot of talk about January 6th and the counting of those electoral votes. And you have some members, uh, Mo Brooks of Alabama, you have Representative Elect, as they call it, Coffin, Uh, there in North Carolina, saying that when that day comes, they're going to challenge the electoral votes. They're going to be counted, and there's going to be a challenge. The issues with Pennsylvania, the issues with Georgia, the issues with Michigan. Uh, I'm not asking you what you're going to do, although you're more than welcome to tell me. But rather, are Republicans ready for this fight? If this fight does indeed come to them in the House of Representatives on January 6th, or maybe I'm asking it the wrong way, and I should ask it in a more direct way. Do Republicans plan on questioning the electoral college vote on January
1: 6th well I think without a doubt there's some some Republicans who are going to and and we're all learn this week I've learned a lot about this constitutional process I mean, they'll go through the the states in alphabetical order the vice president will be in the speaker's chair and and read alphabetical order state by state all 50 states and ask if there is a challenge to the electoral votes for this or that state. So you get to the state of Arizona pretty quickly. Is there a challenge? The vice president will ask, is there a challenge? And uh, Representative Mo Brooks from Alabama or someone else will say, yes, I have a challenge at the desk. And if that challenge is matched by a challenger from the United States Senate, then uh, it will open up a, a uh, two-hour debate about the electoral votes from from that state. So as I understand it, uh, Representative Jim Jordan, who is our ranking member on the Judiciary Committee, will be have, will be very involved in this effort. And uh, then there will be a full case made before the the House, House of Representatives, and then then there will be a vote on whether or not we're challenging that state's electoral vote. So that will go through state by state. And I have no doubt at this point that Mo Brooks and others will uh, will formalize this challenge. Now, now, Tony, I'm 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 struggling with this question myself, and uh, and trying to figure this out. I mean, I I I don't know how I would vote because I, I haven't heard the full testimony from from state to state about these issues. I do have serious uh, issues, and have I signed the amicus brief? I signed a letter that Mo Brooks circulated uh, last week, um, calling into question whether or not it is cost- constitutional that the election and voting rules can be changed on the eve of an election to help one party versus the other uh, without approval from the elected legislative branch of that state. I mean, that is a legitimate constitutional question that a number of us have about how this uh, election in 2020 was conducted. And and that will that will greatly influence um, how I approach what happens on January 6th. But I think a lot of us are still trying to figure out how this is going to work and, and what role we'll, we'll, we will play in the process.
0: We will catch up with you as that date uh, becomes closer. Have a very Merry Christmas, sir. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. Always a pleasure having the chance to speak with you. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.